Hello everyone, welcome to Quantum Catechesis, I'm Father Joe Krupp and you are not, and today, today is Wednesday, November 29, 29, you know how I know that? This morning, uh, so I have my Detroit Tigers watch, brought to you by, what's that company in Detroit? Uh, Shinola. But apparently I pulled the lever out at some point, and it said it was like 10 a.m. on the 5th, and I thought, I've slept a very, very long time. Uh, but they don't have a way to change the date to get to the 29th without scrolling, 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 scrolling. I did it. It took 13 days. By then, the date had changed. Uh, so anyway, it's November 29th, year of our Lord, 2023. And today, we're going to talk about Advent. And if we have time, we're going to talk about today's gospel because I preached on it this morning and I got a lot of nice compliments, not from the kids because they were like, dude, you know, they, they don't have souls at that age. But from a few adults there that were like, I had no idea. And I said, that's just because you're laity. It's not your fault. Actually, it is their fault. If they were serious, they'd be priests. So, um, I'm excited to do this, but first let's give a warm welcome to our foreign correspondents, Patricia in Scotland, uh, Bren Van in Canada, Sabine in Deutschland, Richard in England, and Margaret in New Zealand. Uh, thank you to our foreign correspondents, as well as all of our faithful thugs, and a big uh, hello to Michigan Catholic, no, it's just Michigan Church Supply in Mott Morris, Michigan, and Celtic Cove Catholic Bookstore, or that's one way, you know, you can uh, make an acronym or whatever, um, which is also what the Soviets, I believe, had on the back of their jerseys during the Olympics. Or they were CCCP, weren't they? Yes. Okay, Celtic Cove, we know what's going on. Anyway, uh, be sure and shop local, right? Uh I want to thank you guys. I, I got a few cards in the last couple days that were just lovely, and they were so uplifting. I'm so very grateful. And somebody from Georgia, I forgot to write down the name here, sent me chocolatey popcorn. And whoever you are, you are going to heaven. Like, you could murder innocent people in huge numbers and you've still racked up enough Jesus points to last quite some time. It was something like Moose, moose Munch. Yes. You've heard of this? We looked at it together. Oh, did we? I'm so stupid. All right. What's that? So yesterday, Carrie, Chuck, Deacon Dan, Deacon Ron, and Sue and I were at a meeting that lasted from about 9 a.m. until tomorrow. True story. So I've got all this pent-up energy now, and it's already got me in trouble today on Twitter. I tweeted a naughty, but it was very creative. So uh, one of the things, real quick, before we dive into Advent, I've been asked a few times now what I think about Cardinal Burke. Um, so if you don't mind, I'm going to give you a little history first, okay? So the following is a true story. <laughs> And it's not like a true story like the new Napoleon movie, which isn't a true story at all. This is like an actual this happened, right? Um, when they were having the conclave to elect the Pope, which brought us Francis, 
uh, there was this really cool idea somebody did on the internet, and it was, if you click this button, you're agreeing to pray for whatever random cardinal we assign you, right? So they had all the cardinals who will be at the conclave voting. Not all the cardinals that'll be there, just the cats who can vote. And I say to my embarrassment that I said, oh, of course, you know, I'm going to pray for a cardinal. Jesus, please help it not be Cardinal Burke. And it was Cardinal Burke. And I was so mad at Jesus. Like, I said a couple things to him. And he was like, dude, I got crucified. You're not going to throw me. Yeah. And it was just because, being blunt, I don't like him. I didn't like things he had said about marriage. I, I tended to interpret him as one of those people who ruined annulments. I don't know a better way to put it, and I won't get into all the drama. You don't need it. But I had made a promise, so I prayed for him every day. Uh, I met him briefly, and he was very different than I expected. Just a lovely, quiet, thoughtful man. One of my buddies said he's basically like Benedict in the sense of if everyone would just leave him alone, he would read for the rest of his life and never talk to another human. So whatever it may be, I have some issues with some of what he says, but I also realize, no, it's a good dude. We just disagree on some things. So right now there's a story going out. And as of yet, I haven't seen that it's been confirmed, although it seems pretty clear this happened, that Pope Francis uh, cut his stipend and kicked him out of the Vatican apartments because he says, that man's my enemy. Uh, if that's true, I don't like that at all. I don't think it's healthy to have a monarch. I mean, we have a monarch. Let's be blunt. But I wish... Come Holy Spirit. So Pope Francis keeps talking about accompanying and journeying with, but he never seems interested in doing it with conservatives. And that freaks me out, I'll be honest, because I think I might be a conservative. I can't tell anymore. Uh, I mean, I'm a traditionalist, I guess, but I'm also, anyway, I can't tell. But I, I'm always going to be suspicious of that sort of thing. What I'll urge us to do is not make any judgments and not take any sides till we know what actually happened. That's really important, okay? So that's what I have to say on that topic. Um, what we'll do now is dive into Advent um, because it's an easy season that to get lost or to misunderstand. Nobody misses Lent. Like, you might screw up Lent, we all have, but we know when it starts and we have a general idea of when it ends. When it comes to Advent, it's, also, it's usually perceived like, oh yeah, it's this thing we do before Christmas. But there's really a rich tradition here calling to us, and it's one of the oldest liturgical feasts on the church calendar, right? Um, so I'd like to talk about it, uh, because I think there's a lot we could learn here. Uh, Advent starts this Saturday at 4 p.m., okay? Uh, it starts 4 p.m. is the first time, at least in the U.S., where you can have the Sunday Vigil Mass, right? So if you go to Mass on Saturday at 4, and people say, did it count? I'm like, yeah, you got communion. But of course, their true question is, do I have to go twice? I'm so sorry that you might have to receive, I don't know, the Eucharist twice. 
Can you imagine? Here's two donuts. Do I have to have both? There is so much more than donut here. If the Eucharist was a donut, we'd have more Catholics. Let's get that out there. It, 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 now, I, actually, now I'm going to get the angry blasphemy letters. Uh, I'm just making a comment that if Jesus would have confected the Eucharist out of a donut, there would be no Protestants. Or at least there'd only be skinny Protestants. All the fat ones would change teams. I'm done talking about this. Uh, so anyway, uh, Advent comes from the Latin word uh, advenire, advenire, which means venire, I-A-E-O-U. Yeah, uh, I was trying, I was getting my Spanish vowels and my Latin vowels mixed up, and it's so irritating. Okay, uh, which means to come to, okay, to come to, right? So we talk about mass, mise, which means to be sent. This is to come to. Um, and it's the season that starts this Saturday at 4 p.m. and lasts until Christmas Eve. And the goal of it is to prepare our hearts, right? It's a time of preparation where we direct our hearts and minds toward two things, okay? Well, really three, right? One is Jesus' second coming, which should be next Tuesday. Uh, one is to prepare to celebrate his birth, and third is to buy me stuff, that's in the church. That's church. You want to defy Holy Mother Church, you do you. Uh, but all kidding aside, it's to help us prepare for Jesus' birth and his second coming. We tend to be pretty good at the, yeah, we know it's a time to prepare for Jesus' birth. But it's also a time to prepare for the second coming. And now we get to one of my favorite topics, death. Woohoo! Okay, everyone listening to this is going to die, Right? Everyone listening to this is going to die. I won't, but that's because I'm very special and pretty. Uh, everyone listening to this, you are going to die. Or Jesus will come back, uh, in which case it's like death, right? So we keep forgetting that, right? Memento mori, remember your death, remember your death, because it will help us contextualize so much of our life appropriately. And if you listen, all the prayers during Advent, if you listen to the collect, that's what they call the opening prayer now. Do you know why they changed it from opening prayer to collect? Because they hate us. Um, <laughs> okay, that might not be true. But they changed it. But anyway, you'll hear every one of them as well as most of the post-communion prayers, teach basically have this line. Teach us to judge wisely the things of earth so as to live in preparation for heaven. Uh, Jesus puts it this way. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Uh, that we want to make sure that we are conscious of the fact that we're either going to die or Jesus is going to come back before we die. Those are our two options. <laughs> Either way, this phase of our life ends with judgment before the Lord. And we want to make sure we don't sacrifice the eternal happiness for a temporary thing. Yeah, who would do that? We all do. Why? Because the, now the physical is so loud. The spiritual, the invisible is so quiet. Uh, and we live in a loud world. Uh, we are living in a material world. And I am a material girl. To quote, I don't know who sang that. Was that Cindy Lauper? Was that Madonna or Cindy Lauper? 
Madonna? Okay, I'm not going to. Because usually I'll say saint like as a joke, but I can't pull that one off. The crucifixes in the room would bleed. Um, so we prepare for that, and we also prepare to celebrate Christ's birth. Um, this is one of those things that we're so used to. We don't stop and think about how crazy it is. If you have a baby right now, what are you doing listening to the show? Uh, or if you've ever had a baby and you remember the fact that they can breathe on their own and they can digest food on their own, and I think we've finished everything they can do. Everything else totally dependent on mom and dad. God became one of those. Not an imitation of a baby who had a glowy, helpful thing around his head, but a real baby who needed to be fed, whose diapers needed to be changed, who needed to be soothed. The abject humility of our God. I, I do think you and I could say for the rest of my life, I'm going to pray around nothing but the incarnation and we'd be saints when we were done. I do. I think, and and we tend to unintentionally obscure it by making it cute. Uh, but this was dangerous. This was a dangerous thing in every sense of the word. Jesus was totally vulnerable, except for mom and dad and Joseph's angel, uh, which turns out that's a heck of a team, if I may. That's like saying, oh, all they had was the 68 minutes, you know, but... Um, in the end, you know, we, we, we need to remember the, the, the power of darkness in the time of Jesus. What do I mean by that? There aren't street lights. There's no electricity. Your only way of light in the darkness was torches. And in environments where everything's made of wood, fire's not a good idea. So, for example, in the city of Rome, which in Jesus' time, yeah, it was still the capital of the Roman Empire, okay? Uh, the biggest city in the world. Rome had 1.1 million people in it at the time Jesus was born. The city of Rome. The empire had about 48 million, okay? Guys, no city in Europe hit a million again until the 1200s. That's how big and, and crammed Rome was. The streets were so packed all the time that Julius Caesar, who was what? Give me a second. 30, uh, I'm going to say between 30 and 40 years before Jesus was born, he made a rule that if you want to move a cart through the city of Rome, you have to do it at night. Right? Because that way the streets aren't all clogged up. Because why? Nobody left the house at night. Nobody. Night was filled with danger. Uh, that's when the criminals came out. That's when bad things happened. You never, if, uh, there's there's a few books that talk about this. Uh, Anthony Everett's book, Mike Duncan talked about it in his book about uh, the Roman Empire and the time of Jesus. If you were at someone's house having a dinner and all of a sudden you looked and it's night, you stayed the night. You didn't even walk a block. You would get murdered. There's no police force. There's no... The world was so totally different. And I'm sorry to go on and on about night. That's when Jesus was born. Right? That's when Jesus was born. And was he born at home? No. He was born in a freaking barn. Why? Because he chose to be born during a census. 
when all the Jews, at least in Jesus' case, where was his dad? Tribe of his dad was tribe of Judah, right? Joseph was tribe of Judah. Can you check that out? I can't believe I'm freezing up. He had to be. He had to be, right? Uh, he was descended from David, so that had to be tribe of Judah. Okay. Um, focus. Uh, everyone descended from King David had to come to Bethlehem, this crappy little town, so that Romans could figure out how much to tax. Right? Nobody's happy. <laughs> Right? Nobody wants to, here, walk all the way over here with your super pregnant wife. Uh, so every place is filled up. There's nowhere to go. In a culture that worships hospitality, it was so crowded that they couldn't even find him a home. Okay? All of this, we're preparing to celebrate. He chose darkness and chaos as the place where he became perfectly vulnerable. And why, right? Like you think of uh, what's that phrase? The um, action item, uh, item of action, action item. I'm trying to remember, right? Whenever you're going to go into uh, a battle, right? The Marines have this expression, and I'm trying to remember what it is. But it's keep in mind the goal, right? Whatever your personal mission is, you got to remember what we are trying to accomplish. The order of action. I think that's it, but don't quote me. Why then? Why would he do this? So that he can die for us. Right? Oh, I, this is something to celebrate. Love is that in love with you. And we're preparing for that. We're preparing to celebrate it. Right? How do I prepare my heart? Well, I think humility would be a good way to go here. Vulnerability would be a good way to go. I'm going to treasure other people's vulnerability, not use it as a point of attack. I'm going to strive to grow in humility. Um, I'm going to strive to come to someone else's rescue. I'm going to strive. And it all ties into, um, well, I don't know how much you want to get into that. Do we want to get into this? I don't know. What time is it? Oh, we're good. Uh, Like the present giving, right? Why do I get a present on Jesus' birthday, right? Because he's in me. Why do you get a present? Because of Jesus. Love you, big bro. Uh, my big brother stopped by. Um, why do you get a present on Christmas? Because Jesus is in you. It's a powerful spiritual meaning attached to these things. Now, there are those who will talk about, like, the Romans did this interesting thing. Uh, and it started on what we would say December 17th. Uh, and it went till about December 25th, where they would have kind of a big festival, um, and there were gift exchanges, right? But they were primarily focused on this, right? This is what they did. It's really funny. The master acted like a slave for those days, and the slaves acted like a master, And it was a custom they did. Uh, And they feasted and they celebrated and they literally ran around naked and hit each other with sticks. Romans were some weird cats. Um, And sometimes people will say, well, look at that. See, the uh, Christmas uh, celebrations were just pagan rituals uh, that, that got, you know, holy water sprinkled on them. I don't know if that's actually true here. Sometimes it is. And I have no problem with that. Well, of course, that's what they did. There is truth in paganism. 
right? Uh, the church has been clear about that. Anyone searching for God, it's going to get a little bit of truth. Um, it's not a weakness of Christianity that we incorporated pagan some pagan rituals, although, again, people overplay that all the time. Uh, it's a strength of it. What are we celebrating? Christ is in you, man. He came and got on our team. The moment Jesus was conceived in his mom's womb, humans changed, right? Adam and Eve's sins changed humans, right? Send an echo through the whole world. Jesus, his coming together in his mom's womb, that sent out an echo because human and divine got all mixed together for the first time. And how? In a tiny little infant in his mom's womb. It's powerful, powerful stuff. And we celebrate it. And it's such a big celebration with it because God's on our side. He threw his lot in with ours, right? Jesus' name, Emmanuel, God with us, God on our side. This is an extraordinary thing to celebrate. So we take weeks to prepare for it. And also, again, we're preparing for his second coming. We get that everything we see will pass away. Everything right now that we experience that is physical, touchable, visible will pass away. And we always, that's the, that's the penitential part of Advent. We prepare ourselves for that coming death. How? If there's anything in my life that distracts me from the truth of my coming death, then I want to get rid of it. Right? Um, and we remember Jesus' judgment. Right? So the, how long has the church been doing this? Uh, forever. Uh, everybody from, uh, well, from when Jesus first started publicly talking, people asked him questions about the end of the world. How many times in the Gospels do people ask Jesus questions about when it's all going to end? And he says one of the most incredible lines he ever says, right? The Basically, the formal equivalent of, I don't know. Which is crazy, right? I don't know. It's I, only my Father in heaven knows. The angels don't know. The Son of Man don't know. That means him. Only my Father in heaven knows. And American televangelists who are selling books, they know. Jesus was very clear about that. Um, it's not our business to know when. It's our business to have our bags packed. Right? Our spiritual bags are packed. And maybe this is a good time then to take a look at our gospel today because it's something that's pretty easy for us to mess up. Okay, what do you think of that, Kara? Are there any questions? How are we doing? Okay. Um, in fact, okay, let's get down to our... And by the way, today uh, I prayed Mass with the little ones. Can they see her? Is the, is the Evie cam on? Okay, everyone, Evie's in full crackhead mode. Can you switch it so they can see her? No. Okay. Carrie's drunk. So this is the gospel I read to the little kids today, and I was so happy to read this. Jesus said to the crowd, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and prisons. They will have you led before kings and governors because of my name. It will lead to your giving testimony. Remember, you are not to prepare your defense beforehand, for I myself will give you a wisdom in speaking that your adversaries will be powerless to resist or refute. And this is the part the kids loved. 
You will be handed over by parents, brothers, relatives, friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by everyone because of my name. But not a hair on your head will be destroyed. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All these little kids, your mom and dad are going to hate you. And there, some of you will get killed by your parents, which, boy, Jesus called that one. Uh, but I do want to testify that not a hair on my head will be harmed. I do want to say Jesus nailed that one. So people read this, and of course, it's part of this thing we do. We pull a passage away from its context, and we isolate it. And it gets us in trouble every time. This is a passage you want to look at in context. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about what happened between 64 and 70 AD. Okay, Jesus uh, told them, this will shock you, perfectly, what would happen? Uh, so, real quick, 64 AD. You you may remember we did this whole thing on the Maccabean Revolt, right? When the Jews and Greeks bumped into each other, post Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great died, divided up his empire between his seven generals, and Israel eventually fell under the uh, rule of the Ptolemies. Okay, P T O L M E Y, the Ptolemy family. The P is silent. There's a joke there. We always used to do that. That's P as in pterodactyl. Uh, And this culminated in a war between the Jews and Greeks, the Jews trying to push the Greeks out somewhat successfully. And then uh, at the height of the war between the Jews and Greeks, this little upcoming empire called the Romans wrote and said, hey, if you need some help, just let us know. And the prophets were all like, yeah, don't do it. And the kings in Israel were like, let's do it. And so they got the Romans. The Romans came, drove out the Greeks, and then said, you know, we really like it here. Yeah, we really like it here. So now the Jews are under foreign occupation. And like anyone would be, they freaking hate it. Right? Imagine we had a foreign government. Well, (laughs) I have a lot to say on that topic. Uh, Imagine um, living under a foreign occupying force that grants you no rights, except the right to be killed and taxed. Um, Into this environment comes Jesus. And what does he do? A lot of different things that ticked off the people who hated the occupation. He did lots in any way. Post-Jesus, so Jesus died and rose, went to heaven, left me five bucks, and uh, his spirit left us all. I'm sorry. I'm just so, I'm just nuts today. I keep thinking about that tweet I had to delete. Uh, What were we talking about? Something with Jesus and God. So we get to about 64 AD, and the Jews decide they're going to rise up and overthrow their Roman masters. And there was a big movement here, a huge belief that God will miraculously deliver us. All we got to do is start the fight, and God will finish it. And the entire rebellion was kind of predicated on this. The problem is someone forgot to tell the Romans. So uh, the Roman emperor sent a general named Vespasian uh, who marched his legions to Jerusalem, 
and he did a brilliant and awful thing. Rather than try to invade a heavily fortified, well-guarded city, he just surrounded it and wouldn't let anybody out. He let everybody in. And all these people pilgrimaging from the countryside to Jerusalem, as the law required them to do once a year, uh, they don't know. All they know is they're approaching Jerusalem. There's a Roman army there that says, oh, yeah, come on in. We're just, you know, guarding everything. And they get there and they take food and water. So you have a city that is dying of hunger and thirst and preparing for a big Roman army to come in and whoop their butts. And while they were in the city, the violence against Christians was unspeakable. The violence the Jews perpetrated against each other was unspeakable. Uh, at core, the problem was that when the Jews looked at the data, they said, why isn't God rescuing us? I know. It's this group here of people who call themselves Jews, but believe, now get this, that God became a baby and then let us kill him. So Christians had a rough go. Parents did turn in their kids. Brothers did kill brothers. All of these awful things happened. Um, but that's the historical context of this reading. Jesus was telling them, frankly, the immediate future. But you do get folks who hear this passage and think, well, he's talking about the end of the world. We want to remember that Jesus was clear, it's not for us to know. And he didn't mean, but I'm going to hide some clues, right? Jesus doesn't work that way. Tell me that's not something she shouldn't have. Okay. Is it her bone? No, what has she got? Okay. Uh, the dog doesn't like it when she's not getting attention, and she doesn't get enough attention during this show. Uh, I blame Chuck, and we will now persecute him. But the biggest point of all was Jesus' uh, message, not I'm telling you the future, but the fact that he told them a few other things that we skip over because we got to know what we can't know, right? Jesus said, you can't know when. Oh, maybe if I read it carefully, I'll know when. What does he tell us? First, he says that we shouldn't prepare our defense beforehand, that we can trust him to guide our words when the time comes. And that did happen in the persecutions we have written testimony of. Stephen, for example, right? Stephen's speech before they executed him was a thing of beauty. Um, we're supposed to remember that, guys. It all goes back to that, our Father, right? Give us today our daily bread. Not our weekly bread, not our monthly bread, our daily bread. And this is one of the things we're supposed to take from this. What you and I can trust is that however crazy things get out there, Jesus is still present to us. And he wants to speak through us if we'll let him. That's a wonderful thing to keep in mind. He also says that our perseverance will secure our lives, right? That whenever we enter a time of hardships, we have to persevere. And I've talked about this a lot in the past, so I'm hesitant to beat this point anymore. But perseverance is a skill I think we lose a little more every year. The ability to just push forward. 
okay to just someone today uh sent me a tweet that someone put up and it was fascinating because this was a millennial i went and looked there were pronouns on the bio um but they were like they literally wrote this why does everything have to be trauma right why can't our lives just have been hard sometimes uh, and I know I've talked about it. That's why this person sent it to me. And uh, this person said, I've endured some things. I'm not going to break them down for you. They were awful. I'm doing good today. I'm married. I have kids. I'm working hard. Right? And it was so liberating to read that I was like, well, way to go. And not that there isn't real trauma. Holy cow. Uh, but... It was a powerful thing to read that sometimes, guys, bad things just happen and our job is to persevere, right? To persevere. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. It's good stuff. It really is. So that's, for me, the, the, the two main points I wanted us to look at about Advent and the church wants us to look at. We are preparing to celebrate the ridiculous beauty of God's birth. We call that the incarnation. Literally, it means in Latin, taking meat on. Okay, God, who is spirit, took on meat um, and became a God-human hybrid, uh, for lack of a better phrase. Why? He had to be human so he could take on sin. He had to be God so he could beat it. Okay, with three enemies when he came, sin, suffering, death, and he took them all down. The only way he could take those three things on is by being human. The only way he could beat them was by being divine. Um, we celebrate that. It is a big deal. And every day we should say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for showing me that I am worth that to you, that the human race is worth that to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for putting yourself in green danger of death from the second you were born until we ultimately killed you. Thank you. And what was your goal? To save me. To save me. Thank you. Yeah. And the other is we prepare for his second coming or our death, whichever comes first. Recognizing there's no way we can avoid those things. And so we prepare for it. And I, I gave this image just a, a week or two ago, right? The whole idea of a baby in a womb, its entire existence in the womb is nine months, which is what, a school year? Yeah. So if you think about trying to explain to a nine-month, a creature that is nine months a total existence, no, there's another reality. The next one, you'll, you, you could live to be 100, they just can't even conceive of the number. And now as we move from this womb to the next one, we can't even conceive of eternity. But it's there and it's waiting for us. Yeah, And so we're conscious of it. Uh, it helps us, I think, in our temptation too with sin, like especially if we have a habitual sin, um, to remember where is this sin taking me? Right? What, what is the good I'm pursuing? Is there a greater good available to me than this cheap good I'm pursuing? You know? Anyway. Uh, so what do we do during Advent? Um, lots of different stuff. There's the Advent wreath. 
I think I told you the story about Advent Wrath, didn't I? Did I tell you the story about Advent Wrath? Oh, this is fantastic. First, let me take a drink of water. Okay, we're working on the cough button, aren't we, Carrie? I'm looking at you, woman. Let me take the top off this so I can gulp. When we turn on the heat in this house, the basement gets stupid hot. And the upstairs, you can hang meat, which I like. I like the hanging meat temperature. Dad and I choose that. We turn down the thermostat all the time. Poor Father Lay. If we didn't have a man from Fiji living in this rectory, this house would be set at 58. No, 68. 66. What's it at? It's at 66 right now. Anyway, uh, what were we talking about? Do you remember something? Oh, Christmas Wrath. So when I was at Queens and Jackson, Queen of Miraculous Metal, and, and I got to tell you a great story about that. Okay, so the name of the parish is Queen of Miraculous Metal. Everyone just calls it Queens. Right? Where do you go to church? I go to Queens. So they have a parish festival, and they decide to make a T-shirt for it. This is a true story. And they had an artist who, like, looks at you and draws pictures that kind of look like you. And he drew it, so there were the three of us there. And it said on the back, Queens. I'm like, you know, I'm not wearing that shirt. And I'm not encouraging anyone to wear that shirt. Yeah. So thank you to that anonymous artist. <laughs> but uh, one of the priests was from Mexico. And he came back from his first Advent Mass. And he was a little bit confused slash miffed. Because after Mass, people were telling him his homily made no sense. And he wasn't the sort who was really open to correction. Do you know what I mean? And so it was like, okay, Miguel, what, what happened? Well, I preached on the Christmas wrath. <laughs> you preached on what? Yeah, true story. And he's like, he's really defensive. You know, you know how important Christmas wrath is. And I'm like, this is not an American thing. We don't do wrath, uh, except if it's the Middle East. Um, and it turns out he was wreath. But he, did, he's, he was just saying it wrong. Poor guy, right? And I will never forget that. That was 1997. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And he kept saying, Christmas wrath. And we were like, bro, there isn't Christmas wrath. This is like love and, you know. So he went over, grabbed the wreath off the table and went, wrath, and shook it at us. We're like, do you mean wreath? And he went, oh. It was really funny. That's a true story. Um, so the Advent wreath, right, tends to be, uh, you know, tiny thing with uh, four candles, three purple, one pink, or rose, whatever color you want to use there. And uh, you light the candles in order, right? Two purple, one rose. Uh, uh, rose Gaudate, joy, right? Because we're just one week away. The church wants us to have childish joy, childlike joy, childlike joy. I'm good at childish. Yeah. Uh, childlike joy. Oh, my gosh. Remember when you were a kid? Did you get excited about your birthday when I when you were a kid? I did. I was one of those kids who just couldn't wait. And now it's like I'm vaguely aware I have a birthday. Was that the dog? No, no. no. Oh. Um, it sounded like she growled. No, no. It was traffic. Oh, okay. Seriously? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Trippy. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh. That's how the church wants us about uh, Christmas. 
that the week before Christmas, we light a special candle just to go, oh my gosh, we're so close. Right? It is a joyful, joyful day. And those candles kind of mark our time. They mark our time. And it's such a lovely thing to do. Um, You can also, every day, have some sort of reminder. Like me, I write on my mirror. Right? Because I don't need to see this. I know it's good. Uh... (laughs) We call my face the money maker. Um, uh, man, you guys, I am out there today. What were we talking about? Oh, we write, I write on the mirror something to remember. Just the abject joy of Jesus' birth. It's nuts that God did this. It is absolutely nuts. Um, something to remember that we're going to die, that we're going to be judged. Um, you can build prayer around that. You can uh, do anything that will help you keep those two things in mind. And I think the biggest struggle for most of us may very well be, uh, if I hear right, like in the confessional, uh, there's just so much pressure on people. Like, and I'm dead serious. Listen to me. Please let me release you from the pressure of getting me anything. You are my present. I don't need anything. I promise. Okay. Uh, and I say that in sincerity. Um, but I, I, I want you freed, at least as far as I can free you, from that pressure uh, to get me anything. What? Yeah. Yeah, right? Because I'd rather you use that time to make me cookies. There it is. No, uh, okay, so I don't give me cookies. Oh my gosh, I'm being good. And remember, last Christmas is when I learned I can't refuse cookies. Like if they're in the house, I will eat them till I'm physically sick. And I don't know when I turned into that person. But get this, guys. Remember, I had to lose 40 pounds during Lent. I put on 39 of them during the week after Christmas. I was like, I couldn't move some days. I was so jacked with sugar. Anyway, all kidding aside, and maybe that's a nice thing you can do, is in, unless you're a mom, your kids are going to get you something. My mom every year, kids, please don't get me anything. <laughs> okay. And we'd get her something. All, oh, you know, mom's big line, if any of my siblings were here, they could say it right with me. You want to get me a Christmas gift? Then love the Lord with all your heart. That's the gift I want. That's what she always said. I was like, I don't know how to categorize that, Mom. So we got her underwear. Um, in a briefcase. Do you know about this? No. You could get away with giving Mom a gift if it was practical. Right? Like, if you got her, like, flowers or something, she's like, Really? You know, like practical, uh, because you shouldn't waste your money on her. That was her thinking. And it was like, Mom, if I was a millionaire, I'd buy you a house that you don't need, right? That's how we love you. So she was like, well, if you have to get something, undergarments are always appropriate. Well, we knew she wanted a briefcase, right? But she wouldn't spend the money. So we got her one, and we stuffed it full of uh, undergarments. Maybe I shouldn't have told that story. I think that's awesome. Okay. She loved it. She couldn't quit laughing. Like, she was mad laughing, right? Like, she was like, you wasted money. But she carried that briefcase the rest of her life. 
remember that picture I showed you of her? And it's mom from the back, and she's got her hands like this, and there's all these cardinals and bishops just locked onto her. Her little briefcase is right on the floor next to her. We were so proud of that. My mom was amazing. Uh, but anyway, what were we talking about? If you feel like you, you know, free other people, if you can. I mean, maybe you have needs this Christmas that you hope people fill. Well, praise the Lord. But if not, if you know someone is probably going to spend time and energy and emotional uh, fretting, free them. Free them. And I mean this. You guys are my gift. I don't need anything. I mean it. Um, maybe you can share that with someone if you're in that position. Right. Uh, that all the prep and all the work we do, and especially it seems a lot falls on moms. Um, maybe we could take some of that heat off. Uh, maybe uh, we could take some of that heat off of others or off of ourselves. Uh, to you know, remember C.S. Lewis uh, quoting the devil in a sense, quote, since we can't make humans bad, let's make them busy. Right? We get so busy, we forget we're going to die. And by the way, God is like really on our side. <laughs> really, really, really on our side. Emmanuel, God with us. God on our side. Um, whatever things you need to take away, take them away. Whatever things you need to embrace, embrace just to help you with that. Uh, during Advent, your priest will wear purple because of Prince. Um, purple's the color of royalty. To give you a sense of things, hold on. <clears throat> purple was actually a color the Romans regulated. Uh, now, that wasn't right away. That came a little bit later in the empire. Uh, but as an idea of only royalty can wear it. And to make sure only royalty would wear it, they controlled the price of purple cloth. They literally price controlled it so that nobody could afford it but them. And we wear purple because he's royalty. Right? Our king was born in a barn at midnight during a census. Um, and he's still the king. By doing that, he didn't lose his kingship. It only let us know what kind of king we got. Not a king here to crush, but a king here to lift up. Man, good stuff. Um... Well, that's it I got. Are there any questions? Any Advent questions? Uh, anything about Carrie's attitude or spilling vodka on the keyboard? Nope. Uh, okay. So, uh, am I right? I can't see my clock. How are we? Okay. Uh, is it right to wrap up early? I don't know. I don't have more material. I can make things up. Knock, knock. Who's there? Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't have one. You remember that old joke, right? I have a great knock-knock joke. You start it. Knock-knock. Who's there? Yes. Did you fall for that on purpose? No. You really fell for that? Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, Thanksgiving turkey cooking Okay. Okay. Thanksgiving turkey. Uh, I made two. I spatchcocked one, and I deep-fried the other. So the spatchcock, uh, that's where you flip the bird. Chuck and Carrie got me on this. You pull out the backbone. And then you flip it back over and kind of chest compression. Like I even yelled, clear! And I've, and you snap its little spine or whatever's left, I don't know. And so you kind of flatten it. 
And then I massaged it in olive oil. And I was like, you just feel very tense. How's work going? Um, I, I rubbed olive oil on it. And then I put it on one of those little cages above a pan. What do you call those? Like, it's like a grate. Yeah, it was great. Uh, and then I put olive oil and butter in the pan so it would smoke up into the bird. I cooked it at 350. This was a 13 and a half pound bird. I cooked it at 350 or 450. I can't remember which. 450 for an hour and 15. And it was done. And I mean like perfect. Oh, and here was a key. Seriously. The night before is when I spatchcocked it. And then I patted it dry and put it in the fridge. No saran wrap. Uh, so that the skin would be crispy, crunchy. And it really worked. It really worked. That turkey was insanely juicy, right? And with deep frying, it, it's hard to mess it up, right? You you know, and it was it was fantastic. Um, what does that take? It takes about uh, we had a four, thirteen pound bird. I would say it took thirty five minutes. Uh, the oil at three eighty, um, and that was ridiculous. That puppy was good. Now I don't brine. I don't. Do you, Brian? Do you, Brian? No. Um, so that went great. My whole family, well, not my whole, probably a third of them, uh, came over. And uh, there were 30 of us, I think. And we just had a wonderful time. And uh, the, the, there was an incident. We did go downstairs and watch the Lions. And I deeply regret that decision. Deeply regret. No regrets. Um it was uh, it was a good time. It really was. A bunch of us together, lots of nephews and nieces, and, and I couldn't have been happier. Um, oh, when you say during a census, is that a particularly important thing at the time? Yeah, yeah I mean, nobody wanted a census because they weren't trying to do something that will benefit you, right? Here's how Roman taxes worked, and it's really weird, but stick with me, Okay. Um, so you, the Roman emperor, who was it at this time? Caesar Augustus. Um, well, no, he had a little bit of a better system. But anyway, they would take the Roman Empire and kind of divide it into chunks. You know, maybe four huge chunks. And then Kerry would come and say, let's say I'm the emperor, okay? So then Kerry might come to me and say, I'll pay the tax, for that whole region, because she can, right? She's that rich. For the right to collect that tax plus 10 or 20%. Okay? So then on me is the emperor is like, yeah, I'll take money now. So now Carrie then divides her chunk into four pieces. And maybe Chuck comes here and says, Carrie, I'll buy that tax off you for the right to collect that tax plus 10 to 20%. Right, so now Chuck pays Carrie, and she's already made a profit. Now Chuck, do you see what can happen? It just kind of keeps going down. When it came to census, it was to make sure that the taxes collected were commensurate with the amount they expect. I know how much tax to charge this region based on how many dudes there are between 13 and 60, yeah? Um, which is when you were a man, okay? 
uh, in terms of dudettes, it depended on what the rules of the time were. Uh, women tended to get taxed if they had a means of income. There was one means of income that didn't get taxed, if you know what I'm saying. Um, there was also, uh, so that's what a census tax is. It's to get money. You're paying a tax right then and there just for existing. But there's also the tax that you have to do every year. And they could do different taxes. Uh, they just There was no rules that the Romans had to obey against non-Romans. There were rules they had to obey for Romans. But when you talk about the Jews, they weren't Romans. Right? Isn't that funny? Uh, they were in Bethlehem for the census. Do you think there was a higher reason for Bethlehem? Yeah, a couple reasons. One is political. Uh, so when they, instead of like going house to house to collect taxes... They say, well, if you're of this tribe, go to this place. So the tribe of Judah, all the descendants of, from the tribe of Judah had to go to Bethlehem, right? Which is a Hebrew word, Bethlehem, um, house of bread. That's what it means. And it was considered a crappy little place. Uh, what's the higher purpose? Well, um, it's where Jesus was born. And Isaiah, it says, as for you, oh boy, I haven't thought about this in a while. Bethlehem, too small to be counted among the tribes of Judah, from you shall come forth a savior. Right? So God prophesied that his son would be born in Bethlehem. Uh, which, again, it so speaks to our God, not in mighty Jerusalem, not in mighty Rome in crappy Bethlehem. Uh, it's really, that's just, isn't that something? And, and it's just so important to our faith and nobody, people just don't talk about it. Well, the Lord calls us to fight. You know, like, eh, not really. He calls us to die. Sometimes we might get called to fight. We know he's calling us to die. If you think he wouldn't have fought and won, then you don't know Jesus. But he didn't fight. He gave. Yeah. Rough. Oh, I did forget to... Well, it's too late. I'll do it Friday. Can you write down to help... Please help me remember that Friday I need to talk about Tim and annulments. This is, I think, important. Okay. Um, so that's it for today. Sorry, I did I go... No, I, I'm doing great on time. Okay, so... Uh, what were we talking about? So I will see you beautiful people Friday, right? Unless Jesus comes back or I die. Or, well, if you die, you could probably still see me, right? I assume people who die can see a lot of things going on. But why would you come and watch the show if you're dead? Go look at Jesus. He says hi, by the way. Um, and, uh, I'll, I guess that's it. I'm sorry. I'm such a scatterbrain today. What's up, sis? Oh, house of bread foreshadowing the Eucharist. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but that's my opinion. I don't know. Uh, I don't remember reading that anywhere. Uh, so we'll wrap this puppy up with a prayer, and then I will see you beautiful people Friday. Um, but I hope these little tips for Advent help you. Advent starts Friday or Saturday at 4 p.m., and it continues all the way until Christmas Eve, 4 p.m. Okay. Salad pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Lord, Advent is coming, and we're so excited, and we're, we, we, we can't believe what you did to save us. And what we ask for now, 
is for the grace to enter Advent well. To, for ourselves, and model for others, an awareness of the fragility of our life, an awareness of the ridiculous joy of your incarnation, and a refocusing and reprioritizing of our lives so that we never forsake the eternal for the temporal. That's what we ask. And we ask for the miracle of peace in your home of Bethlehem. Heavenly Father, um, you know the people we love very much and worry about. And you know all the circumstances in our lives that cause us to fret. And we give all of it to you, Lord, because we love you so much and we trust you. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Did you hear my dog during prayer? My Kung Fu is strong. I'll see you beautiful people Friday. And until then, frozen peas are my gift to you. Not as the world gives frozen peas do I give them.